This is Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, I'm really glad you've joined us. A little later in the show, we are going to talk about a new survey that shows that Michigan is dead last in the growth of education spending over the last two decades. We have all known how badly we have been treating education in this state, in this state how poorly we take care of our schools. This new study, though, really says... Uh, we are absolutely the worst, and uh, it's an amazing, amazing stat to behold if you think about where we were uh, 20 or 30 years ago in the state in terms of how great the education system was. So you want to stay tuned to that conversation. It'll get started at a little bit past half past the hour. But first, the federal government shutdown is stretching into its second month, which means it's beginning to take a very personal toll on hundreds of thousands who are either furloughed or working without pay. Unbelievably, President Trump's daughter-in-law said yesterday that this is just a little pain, but it's an important sacrifice for the wall the president wants to build. She said people's children and grandchildren will thank them for the sacrifice that they are making right now. But that'd be a really hard sell for someone like Kimberly Nicholson, who is a federal investigator with the U.S. Equal Employment Opportunity Commission. When we're down and we can't work, that means individuals cannot exercise their rights to file a charge of employment discrimination. They only have 300 days in this state from their date of harm to file a charge. If they miss that 300-day window, they cannot proceed directly into federal court. They have to start in the lower courts. So their rights are being denied because we're not, uh, we're not on the job. Or how about Gregory Simpkins, who is a TSA worker? We are called emergency personnel, so we still have to report to work. We are the first line of defense as far as the traveling public. The morale is low right now. There are hundreds and hundreds of thousands of stories like these, and these workers and the people they serve in that work are hostages in this standoff over the wall. And with no end in sight, their, their pain stands to grow considerably. We're going to talk to several Michigan lawmakers today about their efforts to stop this madness, or at least make the effects less difficult. We're going to begin with a lawmaker who is working across the aisle to try to get unemployment benefits in place for those who are working without pay. Debbie Dingell, a Southeast Michigan Democrat, and Fred Upton, a mid-Michigan Republican, introduced a bill to take care of those who've lost their paychecks. We are joined now by Debbie Dingell, who is a congresswoman, represents Michigan's 12th congressional district. Debbie, welcome to Detroit Today. Good morning, Stephen. It is good to be with you. Yeah. Uh, so let's first start with uh, what your legislation with Fred Upton will do. Well, the legislation that we introduced yesterday was in direct response to a letter that uh, our governor, Governor Whitmer, sent with two other governors uh, to the Labor Department saying that they were not able to re- or to pay unemployment to employees that are working but not getting paid. And they were told that it would take a change in the law. So I called Fred, and we quickly drafted the legislation, introduced it, and I brought it to leadership's attention who had not yet learned that latest curveball. I think one of the worst things for these employees. I don't think it's just starting. I've been talking to these employees for the last six weeks. Some of them had immediate problems. They are angry. They are hurt. They're having real everyday problems. 
and they're caught in catch-22s every time they turn around. Uh, so what we're trying to do is, I mean, you know, one of the big issues that every one of them when is, is worried about is their credit rating. You know, you look at the Coast Guard, the Secret Service, the FBI, TSC, Custom and Border Patrol, none of them are being paid. They're all deemed essential. They're working and putting their lives on the line. <clears throat> They're not getting paid. But if their credit rating goes down, they can lose their job because they're susceptible to bribery. So they're worried about their mortgage payments, their car payments. <laughs> but then when some of them try, then there's two catch-22s when you try to file for unemployment. This one, which the governor wrote a letter about. And two, Michigan Works requires you to, to do two job interviews a week to collect unemployment. It will have to be reimbursed, by the way, for anybody who thinks someone's working a system. These people just need some cash, but they need permission from their agency to apply for another job or to get another job. And because they're closed, they can't get the permission that they need. Every time they turn around, they're hitting a wall. They're not finding anybody that wants to help them. And is there bipartisan support for this measure beyond you and Fred? Is there bipartisan <laughs> support for, for anything in Congress right now? Uh, I want to tell you that I think that there are a lot of people. You know, we quickly passed uh, legislation this week ensuring that they would be paid for uh, uh, past work. Now Fred and I are going to introduce another bill because while we said that, the money wasn't appropriated and there were some other things. So that will get introduced, and we are told that that should pass and be taken care of. Uh, you know, people are worried about people's mortgage payments. So uh, we, some of us have just been quietly reaching out to banks and to others and saying what can be done to ensure that these credit ratings aren't going to be hurt. Fannie Mae um, and Freddie put out some regulations last week trying to protect the federal employees from their credit rating not being hurt. There have been conversations with the autos on auto loans, uh, you, you know, there's all kinds of things. And then people are trying to do things. Here's another catch-22. People are trying to help. I mean, I think people are flying, feel terrible when they know these TSA agents haven't been paid for 33 days start, uh, today but um, and want to give them something, but they're not allowed to accept a gift. They're not allowed to accept cash. So, People have been donating food, and you have to donate the food a certain way. It has to go into the lunchroom. But anybody listening today that wants to do something should buy pizza or sandwiches or food for TSA, FBI, Secret Service. We need to thank these people that serve us every day. They're not Republicans. They're not Democrats. They're, they're public servants who are trying to make the quality of life for all of us better. Yeah, I, I wonder what you think the breaking point might be here. How long will this go on before one side decides to, I guess, give in, really, to the other and, and get the government back open? Or do you think there's some other way that we will get past this hurdle into a place where we can like have a reasonable debate about all these things again? I'm, I'm deeply concerned about all of this. And I'm, I, I'm not sleeping at night trying to figure out how we're going to get this resolved. I mean, first of all, the government's got to reopen. You, you, you should never negotiate with in this kind of position, and we need to reopen the government. I think the fact of the matter is I just was uh, at a briefing uh, on Homeland Security with a number of critical players, including uh, the past uh, head of Homeland Security. 
I think we're into semantics now. I mean, I don't, I have consistently said this. I don't know anybody, Republican or Democrat, that doesn't want strong national security and want strong border security. Quite frankly, what I believe needs to happen, and, you know, we passed bills again yesterday. There'll be bills up on the Senate floor. And let's hope that, you know, some people, Nancy Pelosi's hopeful that one of the bills may even pass in the Senate. Others aren't. I don't know. I don't, I have stopped trying to, you know, make projections about anything that might happen on anything. But um, uh, we need to reopen the six government. There are six departments that aren't part of Homeland Security. The House and the Senate budget negotiators have already agreed to the conference plans for the rest of the year. We passed those in the House yesterday. We should be passing those, reopening those departments, and Part of what will be voted in the Senate, we've already been voting it, would be to extend Homeland Security for three weeks while people can get back in the room and have the discussion. Because the reality is, quite frankly, I think Democrats are willing to spend more than $5 million on border security that includes electronics and drones and more custom border and patrol. You know, right now we have 3,000 border custom border patrol positions that are vacant. We need new technology to scan cars and trucks. We've got to secure our ports. There is a very legitimate discussion that needs to be had, and I think people would have it. Yeah. Uh, my guest is Debbie Dingell. She's a congresswoman who represents Michigan's 12th congressional district. Uh, we're talking about the federal government shutdown now in its second month and really, really starting to take a toll on federal workers who are either furloughed or working without pay. Also starting to have some effects on the economy more generally. Think of all the Government spending, that's not happening. Government spending is, of course, an important pillar of the American economy. Uh, If you want to join the conversation, give us a call. Tell us how you are feeling the effects of the shutdown, or if you are, uh, have you or your family uh, been impacted, or are you just sick of the back and forth between Democrats and Republicans? And if you have an idea of who you think ought to back down here, should the president back away from this wall that he insists that he should have along the Mexican border? Or should Democrats give in and say, well, we'll pay for the wall in order to get things back going? Uh, We'd love to hear from you as well. 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page, put comments there. Or you can go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we'll work you into the conversation. Uh, Debbie Dingle, I want to thank you for being here with us, uh, and we'll talk with you soon. I look forward to it. But I'll tell you, anybody listening, make sure you thank a public servant you know that's hurting right now. We need to tell them how much they're appreciated. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, again, thanks very much for joining us. Uh, I'm going to continue the conversation with another lawmaker from here in Michigan. Dan Keldy is a congressman who represents Michigan's 5th Congressional District. Dan, welcome to Detroit Today. Uh, thank you. Good morning. Yeah, thanks for let, having me on. Let's start with uh, your reaction to the news uh, today that uh, Speaker Pelosi is going to disallow the president from delivering his State of the Union speech next week. The president initially said he was going to go ahead and try to give it anyway, uh, but he blinked yesterday and now says, uh, if I'm not invited, I won't be there. I will wait until the government is back open. Is this uh, is this progress uh, or is this just a symptom of the malaise that uh, we find ourselves in? 
Well, I don't know if it's progress. It's hard to tell with the president um, because he sends mixed signals quite frequently. But I do think the speaker was correct. Uh, we can't just pretend that everything's fine and this is business as usual when the president who wants to come and use the halls of Congress to deliver his message is essentially taking 800,000 federal employees and their families and our whole economy hostage in order to get something that he's unwilling to simply submit to the tried and true legislative process that has served us for 230 years. You know, this is just no way to make these choices. If he were to succeed and get Democrats uh, to back down and fold, what prevents him from using the threat of a shutdown to get anything that he wants? Yeah, There's a legitimate debate about what kind of border security we ought to fund. That debate is an important one. But you can't have the debate when one side is willing to blow up the government, proverbially, because, frankly, he doesn't really care if the government functions. He's made that very clear. This is not a priority for him. Yeah, I, I saw some news this morning that White House staff are asking about what a shutdown would look like if it goes into March. So they, they appear to be digging in still, saying that uh, they'll wait this out. Uh, I, I do wonder about your district, uh, which has an interesting economic and demographic makeup with a lot of working poor. How is the federal shutdown affecting cities like Flint or rural communities like Oscoda, both of which are in your district? Well, it affects everybody in one way, and that is that the public safety ultimately is going to be compromised because much of what is not being funded right now uh, are in those areas like uh, air traffic controllers, transportation security personnel. So anybody who depends on public safety being protected by those people um, should be concerned. I think the bigger impact for people I represent is that it slows down even the modest economic growth that we have experienced. The president's own uh, advisors have indicated that this shutdown is having a negative impact on economic growth. No one in my district can afford to have a job that might be there waiting for them suddenly disappear, and that's what's happening. Uh, There are consequences being felt by everyone, not just those 800,000 employees of the federal government that are either furloughed or working without pay. Everyone is impacted because we all benefit from a growing economy, and this will stunt that growth. Yeah. Uh, again, 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. Call and tell us what the shutdown looks like in your life. Uh, is there someone in your family who's directly affected by this, maybe not working or working without pay? Uh, Are there other things that you've noticed that have changed, maybe for the worse, because the federal government is shut down? You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put comments there, or you can go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we'll work you into the conversation. Brad on Twitter says, my wife travels often for her job. It's getting to the point where I'm starting to worry that she's going to get on a plane and not be able to, or that she's going to fly across the country and not be able to get home. Uh, Let's go to Charlie in Royal Oak. Charlie, welcome to Detroit Today. Yeah, thank you, Stephen. I guess I wanted to run something by uh, Dan Kildee. Um, Why couldn't they just 
split the difference for now and get the government back up and running. I mean, Trump would look like he actually compromised on something. He can always claim later that he's going to screw it out of the Democrats somehow and, you know, get the rest of it paid for. But, I mean, come on, these are people's lives. Is he willing to give up his salary while all these people are, you know, not getting theirs? Is Congress willing to do that? I mean, grow up. They're like kids holding their breath to see which one's going to, you know, turn blue in the face and keel over first. Mm. And meanwhile, these people are suffering. They're not doing their jobs. Uh, Charlie, I really appreciate the call and the comments. Uh, Dan Kildy, why is that not a reasonable question uh, for everybody involved at this point? Why not just compromise and get the government back open? Well, this is one of the things that's been frustrating about the debate. We have continued to offer compromise positions. Uh, We offer billions of dollars in additional border security. Uh, Just recently, we passed another $1.5 billion that we would provide for these border security measures. The problem is there's a false equivalency being portrayed about this, as if there are two sides that just can't come together. Uh, That's just not true. The president has made it clear that he wanted to shut the government down. He did it purposefully, and he did it for effect, and he's enjoying the effect. So there is no equivalency of position on this. We believe that we ought to submit this question to Congress and use the system that we've used for a couple of centuries to reconcile the differences that we have and come to some compromise. He says, my way or the highway. We're willing to compromise, but you can't negotiate with somebody, number one, who takes hostages, and secondly, is unwilling to compromise at all. If we were to just say, okay, forget it, we'll just give you what you want, this will be the new norm. This will be the way he governs. This is, this is a person um, that seems to be willing to use this threat because he's not concerned about the consequence, apparently. And so I, it is very frustrating because we have offered – Nine different ways. We'll probably do another one, I think, uh, today and then early next week. I think it's now 10 bills that we've offered different sort of nuanced approaches, money for border security, money for additional um, detection at our ports of entry. The president just doesn't want it. Uh, he wants this fight. And, and he, he insists on getting his way. Like, just for example, he offered what he said was, a compromise. The compromise he offered was 100% of what he started with, $5.7 billion as a down payment on his wall across the southern border. And he was going to temporarily suspend deportations for dreamers. Now, the, the, the fact that those, deep, those dreamers face deportation is because of a decision that he, the president, made to suspend the DACA program and initiate deportation against these young people who only know this country. The idea that that was perceived by anyone as a compromise is sort of laughable on its face. So he's demonstrating he's simply digging in while we continue to offer alternatives, and he just doesn't want to accept them. Hmm. Uh, Let's go back to the phones here. Corey on the north end of Detroit. Corey, welcome to Detroit Today. Hey, good morning, guys. How are you? Good. Um, so my question kind of falls from a New York Times article I was reading a couple of weeks ago. 
that had a really great series of infographics, one of them saying over 420,000 workers are working without pay. Um, what policies are you know, put into place if, let's say, those 420,000 workers say, hey, we're not going to come to work today? Um, how else will our government kind of you know, perform the functions that it's supposed to do if, if they decide, okay, we've had enough? Great question, Corey. Uh, Congressman, how do you answer that? I mean, that's a, it is a very good question. And I think ultimately that may be what we face. I'll say this, you know, I talk to these people, the federal employees who are either furloughed or working without pay, and they chose this life because they believe in public service. So for them to walk away from their duty, away from their station, is antithetical to what they believe. In fact, a very high percentage of these federal employees that we're talking about that work in these affected departments are uh, military veterans who see their public service as a continuation of the service to their country when they were in uniform. So it's not in them to walk away from their duties. They see this as their mission. But everyone has a breaking point. And sooner or later, some of them are just going to say, look, I'm going to move on. I'm Mm -hmm. going to find something else. Uh, And that will obviously have some implications. Yeah, yeah. Again, Corey, thanks for the call. And the questions, let's go to Daniel in Detroit. Daniel, what's on your mind? Well, um, you know, you guys have done a few shows on this topic, and um, I don't think anybody is really interviewing anybody on the front line. You know, last week Trump was on the news media, surrounded himself with border agents, but it wasn't the head of the Border Patrol. So, so maybe if you guys could, in the future, in the next couple of weeks, reach out to the mayors of the cities of those places, hmm. reach out to the head of the Border Patrol, maybe the county sheriff for the counties that border there, do a consensus of all the people on the front line for yourself, and then come back and do a show and tell us what those people want. Because those are the people that are going to know what we need. That's a, that's a very interesting uh, idea, Daniel. Uh, I have seen uh, reports from the mayor of San Diego recently, for instance, uh, that, that talk about his position on border security. I know that Mike Duggan uh, here in Detroit, of course, we sit on a different border, but has his own thoughts about these things. Uh, Dan Kildee, quickly, I've got about a minute before we need to break. Uh, what do you think, what are you hearing from the front lines of this border debate? Well, I do talk to those people. I talk to the folks who are stationed on the border. I talk to the local public officials and the members of Congress. The thing that they almost uniformly say is that there is no uh, crisis at the border. The president is trying to create this notion that there is this massive crisis on our border that we need to deal with immediately. We're actually at a a recent all-time low in terms of the apprehensions that are taking place there. The number of of illegal crossings is way down from where it had been over the last decade. This is a political moment for the president, not a true policy threat. Uh, Even Will Hurd, the Republican member of Congress from Texas who represents a long stretch of the border, said that the president's characterization of the situation is a myth. Okay, Dan Kildee, uh, congressman from the 5th Congressional District here in Michigan. Always great to have you here on Detroit Today. Thank you, Stephen. Mm-hmm.
Up next, we're going to hear from Senator Gary Peters about the shutdown and the votes that will take place today in the Senate. Also, don't forget, if you have to miss any of today's show, you don't have to miss out on the conversation altogether. Go to iTunes or wherever you download podcasts. Download and subscribe to Detroit Today. Take us with you and listen when you are ready. We'll be right back with more Detroit Today. This is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. The Senate is the other part of government in Washington and has a big role in ending the shutdown, and there will be some votes today that could do just that. But of course, the Senate is as bogged down in partisan fighting as the rest of the government. Joining me now to talk more about what will happen in the Senate and what will happen with the shutdown is Senator Gary Peters, a Democrat from here in Michigan. Senator Peters, welcome to Detroit Today. It's all great to be with you, as always. So let's start here. Later today, you and your colleagues are scheduled to vote on a number of proposals to reopen the government. Talk about those proposals and whether you think they'll pass. Well, uh, I'm certainly hoping uh, the one that uh, we're putting forward will pass, which is just a uh, straight opening uh, of the government. It's absolutely uh, uh, irresponsible to have a closed government, and it's unacceptable. And this would open it up temporarily up through uh, February 8th. Uh, and I'll remind your listeners, uh, this is something we have voted on in the past. In fact, passed unanimously. Democrats and Republicans all came together, uh, passed that version to keep the Department of uh, Homeland Security open for a period of time. And uh, unfortunately, uh, uh, President Trump changed his mind. And now we're in this, uh, in this mess, uh, one that he said he was proud to do. So remind us again of how we got here. One of the things that I think is very interesting is that the border wall was something the president wasn't even talking about last fall before the elections. It wasn't until after November that he started to to make this an emergency issue, as he calls it. Uh, this This wall has been proposed for two years. He has not been able to get the votes under any normal circumstances, to get it passed. Is that right? Well, it's, uh, you're, I mean, if you look at the last uh, two years prior to this, uh, you had complete control, Republicans with the House, the Senate, uh, the presidency. Uh, there was uh, some border wall funding, uh, basically barriers, physical barriers, that was appropriate, about $1.3 billion. Uh, but that money uh, still uh, hasn't been completely spent. So part of it is curious is that the president's now asking for more money when they haven't spent the money that has already been appropriated. And the reason that he's doing this really is to sort of push back against, it seems, the the, the new Democratic majority in the House to try to sort of get his base excited again about sort of the the, the agenda that, that he ran on two years ago. Yeah, it's, it's hard to know what's being, uh, what's the motivation here. I mean, as I mentioned, you know, we passed in December, we passed a, a long-term funding through the whole year for the government. It got uh, bipartisan, unanimous support in the Senate. Uh, I was uh, flying home after that vote, and when we landed in Detroit, uh, I'd heard the president had now changed his mind, and apparently he had watched some some uh, folks like Fox and Friends and Ann Coulter and Rush Limbaugh, and they were not happy, and so he decided to change his position, and here we are. But you know, I think bottom line, it's just simply unacceptable to shut down uh, a government. We, we can have uh, 
a debate about border security. We should. Uh, there's no there's no difference between Democrats and Republicans when it comes to making sure that our borders are secure. I'm the ranking Democrat on the Senate Homeland Security Committee. This is what I, I do every day is to make sure that we stay safe. And in order to do that, though, we have to do it effectively and cost uh, and make sure cost our, our, uh, our money, taxpayer money is spent uh, wisely. And that means a, a combination of things, including uh, focusing on our borders of entry and making sure we have personnel and, and technology available to deal with uh, border security. But that debate uh, can go on. It should go on uh, through the normal channels. You don't need to shut down a government. In fact, you should never shut down a government while you're having a policy debate. It's really unacceptable to hold the American people hostage. I mean, we're looking at uh, a significant economic impact on our economy. Economists are now saying we may have flat growth uh, this quarter. Uh, I've got small businesses that I'm talking to that are being impacted uh, by this. Uh, not unable to do uh, some routine business as well as seeing a fall off on customers uh, due to federal employees not being paid. Uh, this is uh, something that should never happen. Other countries don't shut down a government and close the doors and deny services to their citizens while they're having a policy debate. Mm-hmm. Uh, this uh, this is really unacceptable. So, so how long do you see this going on? I mean, it's a stalemate. Both sides are pretty dug in. What what breaks the logjam here? What's the thing that happens that uh, gets us back to the government operating and to a place where we can have an actual debate about border security? Uh, I, I'll be frank. I, I'm not sure what will do. I mean, the president is the one that has uh, said that he has to have his wall of money or, or, uh, or nothing. Uh, but, you know, this should not be a, a debate as to whether or not to open the government based on a certain funding. The government should always stay open. Uh, you know, I, I had a group of University of Michigan uh, MBA students in my office last week talking about this, and they were perplexed by it. And I said, you know, put yourself in a situation as managers of a of a company. Let's say you all agree that your company needs to do more advertising. There's no question about that. But there's a debate. Should you do social media? Should you do radio? Should you do television? And you can't come to an agreement. You're debating it. And then someone says, well, I've got an idea why we're debating this. Let's lock the doors of our company. Let's turn our customers away. Let's uh, lay off our employees. Or if we have some employees, let's have them work and not pay them. It is simply crazy. You can't run a business. No business in America works that way. The government certainly can't work that way. But in some respects, I guess uh, we should have expected this. We have a president who is basically declared bankruptcy four times with his companies. He believes he can declare bankruptcy and doesn't matter if it hurts folks as and long as he on. comes out ahead. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this is Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson and my guest is U.S. Senator Gary Peters, a Democrat from here in Michigan. We're talking about the federal government shut down the votes that will take place in the Senate today to try to get the government reopened and the larger debate here about the border wall, border security, and uh, the president and his feelings, his strong feelings about all of those things. Uh, Senator, I want to talk a little about you now being the ranking member on Senate Homeland Security. Uh, And in that role, you say you want to stress as much uh, the northern border of the United States and security along that border as you do the southern border. Talk about some of the concerns that exist about that northern border with Canada. Well, border security requires making sure that all borders are secure. And uh, we, of course, uh, here in Michigan have two of the busiest border crossings in all of North America. In fact, two of the top five, uh, both uh, the Detroit-Windsor and Port Huron-Sarnia, are uh, incredibly busy. 
And we have to, to balance uh, two needs uh, uh, when it comes to managing a border. One, and first and foremost, is to keep us all safe and to make sure that uh, that border uh, is secure. But two, also to make sure that goods and trade can go across uh, efficiently. So that's a, uh, oftentimes a difficult task uh, to do both, but we have to, particularly here with the auto industry in Michigan, where parts, auto parts go back and forth across the border many times, also involved with uh, just-in-time delivery. So we've, we've got to find that, uh, that balance. And that means uh, making sure we put uh, more resources into ports of entry, uh, making sure that we can screen cargo and passengers uh, more efficiently. Uh, and it requires uh, investments in all of those areas which is why we shouldn't be just focused on one particular aspect uh, along the southern border. This needs to be addressed in a comprehensive way so that we know that all of our borders uh, are secure and all of our ports of entries have uh, the best available technology and the personnel to operate it. And you recently got some bipartisan legislation passed to deal with ports of entry and the way in which we take a look at those from time to time. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, I worked with Senator Cornyn, who's now the uh, second-ranking Republican uh, uh, in the Senate. The two of us uh, worked on legislation that has passed and signed into law that will give us a, an overview of ports of entry across uh, the country and an assessment as to uh, what are potential uh, vulnerabilities that exist there, or what are best practices as well that can be used at other ports of entry. It's really a systemic review of uh, the entire system. And as we uh, get that uh, information to us, we can then make sure that we're putting together a thoughtful and comprehensive plan. Uh, Before we let you go, I want to ask about the role that Republican legislators are playing in this drama that's playing out over the shutdown and the border wall. Uh, I I wonder what you make of uh, the way Mitch McConnell, the Senate Majority Leader, has handled this uh, and and his colleagues. Uh, They still seem reluctant to stand up to this president no matter what he does, no matter what extreme position he takes and whatever the consequences are, they're still in his camp. Is Are we likely to see a break in that sometime soon? And maybe is that the path forward to get the government back open? Well, ultimately, that uh, has to be the, the path. Uh, Mr. McConnell said that we shouldn't take up any bills uh, that the president uh, doesn't support, which uh, to me, doesn't make any sense. Uh, we uh, certainly need to remind uh, Senator McConnell of the first Article One of the Constitution that the U.S. Congress is a co-equal branch uh, with uh, the president. Uh, we can take our own positions. We don't uh, wait to see what a president uh, says. And he also mentions, well, uh, he may not sign it. Uh, we also have to remind him that under the Constitution, Congress can override uh, a veto of the president. So this is up uh, to the Congress. The Congress is responsible for providing funds so that government uh, can function. Uh, that is uh, a core, really a core requirement uh, and responsibility under the, the United States Constitution. We need to, to step up and make a, a statement that uh, as we're having vigorous policy debates, the closing of the government is never an option. Holding the American people hostage until you get your particular way uh, is simply unacceptable and can't, uh, can't uh, be the, the way we operate Certainly, I'm fearful uh, if the president thinks he gets his way by using this technique, we are going to see shutdowns on a regular basis. Uh, This will be the new normal, and this cannot be the new normal. It is too costly, has too negative of an impact on our economy, and it's simply wrong to hold people hostage while you're negotiating. Mm. Okay. U.S. Senator Gary Peters, Democrat from here in Michigan. Always great to have you with us on Detroit Today. Great to be with you, Stephen.
Up next, a new report says Michigan ranks dead last in the nation in education funding growth. We're going to talk about the findings and their implications next. Stay with us on Detroit Today.